Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, October the 25th, 2021. Whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490 and the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you guys tuning in here as uh, we try to put together the best show possible for you as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Try to get you guys uh, your news and information and entertainment here as quickly as possible. Just a quick little two-hour show here, but uh, uh, we enjoy doing this for you, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you for listening, and we appreciate all the feedback as well. Also, if you're tuning in via the uh, uh, via in, in the future via the podcast, wherever where you can download your podcast, make sure you go there. Download the Jeff Dean Show on the podcast, whether it's uh, Amazon, Apple, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever have you. Everywhere, anywhere you go to get your uh, your podcast, you can find the Jeff Dean Show there, and we appreciate you downloading and checking out at your leisure. All right, it's time, as we always do here on Monday mornings at 8 o'clock, for the Dean's List, uh, something we started doing last year when we started the show. Uh, it's something that I've done pretty much everywhere I've been. Uh, it just kind of goes along with my name. It just kind of works out all so nicely. Uh, so the Dean's List and the Dunce List, these are my heroes and zeros from the weekend in sports. And we begin with the Dean's List, as we always do. And at the top of my Dean's List are the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals absolutely put an embarrassment on the Baltimore Ravens yesterday, crushing the Ravens in Baltimore by a score of 41-17. We'll have more from the fallout on the Ravens' side coming up in just a little bit on that. The Bengals last year were 2-7-1 in Joe Burrow's starts. Obviously, we know what happened in the offseason. They drafted Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell, the outstanding left tackle from Oregon. And even though we all watched in horror as Joe Burrow was assaulted by opposing defenses who were feasting on horrible pass protection, the Bengals, apparently, as, uh, as they say in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, when he goes and talks to the knight inside the, uh, inside the cave, the Bengals chose wisely. Jamar Chase is an absolute superstar. The connection between he and Joe Burrow dates back all the way, of course, to their collegiate days at LSU, and you can tell that they have great chemistry. Jamar Chase is setting records right now as a rookie in the in the NFL, wide receiver uh, records as a rookie, and they just continue to just obliterate teams in the passing game with big connections. Jamar Chase is one of the best young wide receiving talents I've ever seen in my entire life. The Bengals were absolutely right to draft him, even if, and, and I like I even tweeted this out yesterday, even if Panay Sewell turns out to be one of the all-time greats at left tackle, and it may it, you know, it may start to turn that way in a few years, because sometimes tackles need some time. Not everybody's Orlando Pace and just shows up first day and is dominant. It may turn out that way, but regardless of how good of a career Panay Sewell has, I think it's pretty obvious what kind of a career Jamar Chase is going to have. The Cincinnati Bengals made the right choice. And now the Cincinnati Bengals have to be looked at as one of the top teams in the AFC. You have to. They just put a whooping on the Ravens in Baltimore. And that, look, that game was 
it was close. It was twenty to seventeen. The Bengals made a big play defensively. Trey Hendrickson, who is quietly one of the best pass rusher pass rushing ends in the NFL. He's got uh, I think he's got the fourth most pressures in the NFL, and a guy you've never even heard of before. Trey Hendrickson, be ready because his name going to be out there uh, real soon as one of the top players in this league. He is fantastic. That defense is really really fast. It's made up a bunch of no-name guys from big schools. You look at their defense, it's a bunch of guys from Ohio State, Texas, LSU, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the bigger programs across the country, but they're all like second and third round picks. Like they're guys that, that were part of great defenses in college, guys who were recruited because they're fast, they, you know, they run to the football. It's a bunch of defense made up of a bunch of guys like that. There's not a whole lot of superstar power on that defense, but they play together as a unit, and they that Bengals team is for real, y'all. Like, they are really, really good, and they sit atop the Dean's list today. Number two on the Dean's list, Derek Carr. I got some flack for people putting, you know, for me putting him number seven on my top ten quarterbacks list. People were like, Derek Carr, number seven, ahead of Kyler Murray? You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, listen, it's just my opinion, okay? All Derek Carr did yesterday in a game against a really, really good Philadelphia defense, and don't at me about that because everyone knows how good that Philly defense is. Derek Carr was 31 of 34 yesterday. That is a 91% completion percentage. This was not a situation where he you know, was 17 of 20 or something like that. He was 31 of 34. They were slinging the ball. 323 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, had a quarterback rating of 113.6, against what I believe was the NFL going into it, the NFL's third-ranked pass defense in the Philadelphia Eagles. In the offseason, the Raiders traded away their starting right tackle, Trent Brown, guard Gabe Jackson, who was an all-pro, and another all-pro in center, Rodney Hudson, who went to the Cardinals. They traded all those guys away in the offseason and leaving basically a complete rebuild at the offensive line. Derek Carr hasn't flinched. The head coach was embroiled in a, an email scandal that saw him resigning midseason, and Derek Carr now has to have his fifth play caller in his time at, with the Raiders. In his, career, his, his short career with the Raiders, his fifth different play caller. Derek Carr has not flinched. He continues to get receivers who are fast but not polished. Henry Ruggs is a, is a really, really fast player who needs to learn how to play the wide receiver position, and I think when he does, he's going to become a superstar in this league. But for right now, it's, he's just a really, really fast guy. Darren Waller had to sit out yesterday's game, one of the top tight ends in the NFL, so they bring in Foster Moreau. Who? Foster Moreau had the biggest game of his career, uh, so even without the superstars, Derek Carr has not flinched and he was absolutely incredible in that game yesterday. He continues to be the leader of that team and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Derek Carr, number two on the Dean's list. Honorable mention before we get to the final mention of the Dean's list here. Honorable mention goes out to my boy Kenny Pickett. He's the quarterback at the uh, Pitt Panthers. They had a big win against Clemson over the weekend. They beat Clemson 27-17, kind of, Shaking off a bugaboo, Clemson had just absolutely destroyed Pittsburgh in previous years. I mean, they destroyed everybody in the ACC. But, I mean, they, they made a mockery of a very, very proud po- program uh, in the Pitt Panthers. And Kenny Pickett, who is now considered one of the Heisman hopefuls, 
against that defense, that Clemson defense, was 25 of 39, 317 yards, two touchdowns. After the game, he was being interviewed on the field. He was cool as a cucumber. And when they asked him what's next, he said, "Well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna enjoy this win. I'm gonna go back home. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna crack open a cold one, and then we're gonna get ready for whatever next week's game is." <laughs> but Kenny Pickett on the air on the live interview is like, "Yep, I'm gonna have a cold one. I'm gonna enjoy a cold one." At a boy, Kenny, you've earned it, and uh, you are now firmly in the top five of the running for the Heisman race this year. And finally, on the dean's list is the scoreboard operator in the Wake Forest Army game. Folks, if you didn't watch this game, if you didn't at least check in, you missed out big time. Here are some of the statistics from that game, just the the eye-popping statistics from that game. There were 1,233 yards of offense in that game, a game that features Army who runs the triple option. (laughs) Okay, Not exactly going to be lighting up the scoreboard. 1,233 yards of total offense, there were 18 touchdowns scored in that game. Final score was 70-56. to 56. Nobody even bothered kicking field goals because they didn't need to. There were 18 t- uh, touchdowns in that game. There were only five possessions in that game that didn't result in a touchdown. Now, you think about that, you're like, only five, that's not that bad. There were 23 alternating possessions in that game. 18 touchdowns. Wake Forest, who... And, and look, their quarterback, Sam Hartman, he's in the Heisman Trophy uh, discussion as well. He has been remarkable this year. Wake Forest averaged 12.3 yards per play in that game. At one point, they were averaging 16 yards per play. And they only had the ball for 17 minutes and scored 70 points in the game. <laughs> Defense optional in the Wake Forest Army game. And the other thing was, I th- this this might be the funniest the funniest statistic of a ball. The over under in that game, according to Vegas oddsmakers, was fifty four points. Both teams got the uh, got the over by themselves because <laughs> Army scored fifty six. The losing team had the over by themselves. Now I turned that game off after after uh, Army kicked a, an onside kick. They were down. Uh, they were down 63-49. They had scored. They're down 14. They go to kick an onside kick. They they don't get it. And now Wake Forest is just going to run the ball out. There ended up being two more touchdowns after that. <laughs> because that was like with two minutes and ten seconds left in the game. Wake Forest scored on a 46-yard touchdown run to make it 70-49. to Kicked the ball back to Army, who then threw a 40-yard pass for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, like, just, like the poor scoreboard operator. He gets to, uh, he gets props on the dean's list, man. That guy was busy. Now we go over to the dunce list. This is uh, look, these are these are some fun ones, and look, there was there was a, a lot of candidates, a lot of candidates uh, for this particular uh, this particular week on the dunce list. But we begin, uh, I believe it was Thursday night. I think it was, maybe it was Friday night. I don't remember. Steve Adazio, head coach of the Colorado State Rams. They've been having some problems this year. They've been having problems last couple of years, probably for a long time at Colorado State. But the maybe the worst clock management you'll ever see at the end of a game occurred in that game. Uh, it, was, it was Friday night. It was Friday night when it happened. So here's the, here's the scenario. Colorado State is, is down, I think they're down one in that game. 
There's 11 seconds left. They throw. They get a first down. Okay. They they throw the ball. They throw. It was like it was third and ten. They throw a 16 yard pass and get the first down. Now they're in field goal range. Okay. There's 11 seconds left. The clock is stopped. They do not have any timeouts, but it's first down. Then chaos ensues. Like they can't get. They're, they're trying to run the field goal unit out there to set up a hot kick. All they had to do was spike the ball. Like, all you had to do was walk up, spike the ball, kick the game-winning field goal, game's over, you win. But no, Steve Adazio is like, let's get a hot kick going. Get that get that field goal kicking unit out there, run them out there, like, tick to tick, tick, tick. They kicked the ball. They, they somehow miraculously ran all of that stuff going on in four seconds. Four seconds they did it all because – the kicker lined up and swung at the ball with seven seconds remaining on the clock. Of course, being completely rushed, he missed the kick by a mile, and Colorado State loses. Holy smokes. What in the hell were they thinking? After the game, I think they said something like, uh, we weren't sure if we got the first down, so we were trying to line him up for the kick. Bro. You got 16 yards on a 10-yard play. Like, like, you needed 10 yards, you got 16. It was obvious. I mean, the officials signals, timeout, you know, slide top of the clock, we're going to move the chains. How did you not know? That's like Mike McCarthy saying, well, I couldn't see the clock. Shut up. Steve Adazio on the dunce list. Number two on the uh, dunce list, and I do mean number two for a very good reason. Number two on the dunce list was the Oregon football uniforms this uh, this weekend as they went to take on the Bruins, get the win in the Rose Bowl, 34-31, able to secure a victory with an interception. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, maybe tomorrow, uh, as we're you know moving right along here. Those uniforms, which they called uh, eggshell, <laughs> they were the laughing stock of college football. I, and I, you don't say that often about Oregon uniforms. Sometimes you shake your head, you're like, what in the world is the – the Oakley Iridium sunglasses look on the helmet and all that. Like, there's been plenty of times where you're like, just what are they thinking? Those aren't even the school, anywhere near the school colors. Doesn't matter. Oregon don't care. But the, the, the uniforms they ran out there. Now, this is what it reminded me of. The first time I saw it, I grew up on dairy farms, okay? And uh, my grandparents managed dairy farms. They managed the Shamrock Dairy down in Marana, the big Shamrock Dairy down there that was down there forever um, many, many years ago. And have managed dairies in California, Texas, Wisconsin, all over the place. Okay, I would go and help out on the dairy. And as I got older, I, you know, different jobs would become available to me to work. One of them was running the spreader. Now, a spreader is a big flatbed trailer with like lawnmower blade, like big, like looking like lawnmower blades on it. That you load, you load up this flatbed trailer with all the manure. Okay, so the cows crap into a trough. That trough then like has like a conveyor belt on it, and it moves it into a into like a you know a big pile or something like that. But often what you do is you drive the spreader trailer underneath the conveyor belt. You load up the spreader trailer, and then you go out into the fields, and you you use the spreader the spreader on the fields, right? So inherently something would always go wrong with the PTO or or you know the hydraulics or something. Something would happen. The trailer would something something's not working right. You have to get out there. Okay, well, those little things are still kind of spinning sometimes when you jump off the tractor, not to mention you're just on a open tractor and you're getting manure flung all over you. So, like, my like my overalls looked just like those Oregon uniforms did. 
with just crap splattered all over him. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, wow, it looks like, uh, looks like my, uh, my coveralls when I did the uh, spreader on the farm. So Oregon football uniforms, number two, literally, on the dunce list. Now, before I get to our final mention on the uh, on the on the dunce list, an honorable mention, I have I have two here. Number one, Mike Evans, wide receiver, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for giving away Tom Brady's 600th touchdown ball. Thankfully, the uh, the team went back and was like, "Hey, um, Mr. Mr. Buccaneers fan, we would like to compensate you for that ball. That's Tom's 600th touchdown pass ball. Probably worth a lot of money, but we would like to compensate you." The fan was nice enough to give the ball back to Tom Brady, but Mike Evans on the sideline, like one of the like one of the equipment guys, walks up to him, and you can read his lips. He goes, he goes, oh, I gave that ball away. <laughs> and the look on his face was like, oh crap, Tom is going to kill me for giving that ball away. That was pretty funny, but uh, it's 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 more of a situational awareness kind of funny kind of thing. Doesn't really not really a big dunce list kind of thing. Other honorable mention, and this is one of the funnier stories that you'll hear. It happened in the Ravens-Bengals game yesterday. As the, the, the time was winding down, it was 41-17. Basically, they're just running out the clock. They're just kind of going through the motions at this point. There was like less than two minutes left on the clock. And the radio, the radio called Jerry Sandusky and uh, Obafemi Ayanbadejo, who is the color analyst for the Baltimore Ravens, in the middle of of Jerry Sandusky's play-by-play call of the second down play, you hear Ian Badejo saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you like media people are like, oh, my God, what's happening on the field? He's screaming at the players. He's screaming at the coaches. Like, what is happening? He's losing his mind. Like, he is, he's lost it. Like, they're down big to the Bengals for the first time maybe ever, and Obafemi is, has lost it. So then there's like 10 seconds of silence. It's just dead air, and you can hear somebody talking. Like you can hear like a female voice, kind of in the background, like. Meh, 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 meh. And then Jerry Sandusky comes back on. He goes, "My apologies, there. Um, if you heard my my partner screaming, what are you doing on the microphone? He wasn't yelling at the players or the coaches on the field. There was a fan trying to climb into the radio booth to order a drink. Yes, a female fan who who said that she was. She said, "I'm a veteran and I need a drink." was trying to climb into the broadcast booth from the stands, trying to climb climb over the wall that they have that's set up there to get into the broadcast booth to get a drink. Ian Badejo said, uh, you know, I don't serve drinks here. I'll probably have some cocktails when I go home, but I don't serve drinks here, ma'am. Uh, you need to go. <laughs> what? NFL fans are out of control, man. Absolutely out of control. The amount of drinking that goes on at NFL games is absurd. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like fans are so stinking drunk. It's it's embarrassing to be honest with you. But yeah, to the young lady who tried to climb into the radio broadcast booth to order a drink, you get the honorable mention on the dunce list. Finally, on the dunce list, my number three uh, mention on the dunce list is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this is this is easy pickings. This was low-hanging fruit. There is something severely wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs. The defense, it's the worst defense in the NFL, ranked 32nd in the NFL. Their EPA, their defensive EPA, that's a metric that basically, it basically tracks 
how many points of a deficit you are against other teams based on how how efficient they are offensively and defensively. Okay, this EPA, this particular analytic, says that the the Kansas City Chiefs are at a nine point deficit to any team that they play. Nine point deficit, meaning they have to overcome that. Now, offensively, they're they're good enough to overcome that on several occasions, but no team ever in the history of the NFL has had a winning record with an EPA worse than minus six. They're minus nine. And and to, just to show you like how bad that is, like the Saints team, I think that win went like four and twelve several years ago. They were just like uh, absurdly bad. Like their EPA was minus eight point one. I think. Like. This Kansas City defense is so incredibly bad that it puts their offense in such a horrific hole that they cannot even climb out of it. And now the problem is the offense is trying to do too much, and the offensive line stinks, by the way. There's no way around it. They, they were like, oh, let's blow this up and rebuild it. Yeah, it sucks. Your offensive line's terrible. <laughs> okay? And Patrick Mahomes is now very uncomfortable. He has lost his confidence, and he is making a multitude of mistakes every single week, and that team continues to get blown out and embarrassed. They didn't even score a touchdown yesterday. I mean, just embarrassed. 27-3 was not indicative of the butt-whipping that the Tennessee Titans put on them. Just absolutely horrible. Kansas City Chiefs, they have a litany of problems. And I don't think it's ever. I don't think they're going to get it back. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. That's how bad things are in Kansas City right now. So, Kansas City Chiefs arriving on the dunce list today. All right. When we return, we will continue to talk some more NFL. As look, there was uh, plenty of interesting things in the NFL yesterday, including a weird statistic about underdogs that I'll share with you in just a little bit. The final game of the NFL week is tonight. And FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're going to give everyone a $10 risk-free bet. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay bet with three legs or more. And if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel will pay you back up to $10, which is awesome. Tonight's game is the Saints and the Seahawks. I like the Saints to take advantage of that injury-riddled Seahawks team. So I'm going to build my SGP with the Saints money line. I'm going to go Jameis over passing yards. And I'm going to go over total points because I'm not just sold on that uh, that Saints defense either. Now, FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook for many, many reasons. It's easy to use. The app is really self-explanatory, super easy to use. The transactions are safe and secure, and they feature fast payouts. You get your winnings in as few as two hours. I won plenty of bets over the weekend. I was paid in like 15 minutes. It's fast. And, folks, let me tell you, there's nothing like nailing one of those SGPs. They are so fun. I have forgotten what it feels like to get one of those because I missed on one yesterday. But I got other parlays uh, that worked out for me. The SGPs are a lot of fun. And uh, lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook, and you can experience some of the excitement that has been missing from my life the last couple of weeks. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with my promo code DEAN. That's just my last name, DEAN, to also receive a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. But that's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app when you use my promo code DEAN. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay is available for multiple sports in all states and mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342. More NFL news, scores, and notes 
next on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, soccer fans, it is now your chance to win those tickets. I know I said I was going to go in the first hour, but uh, I read my ledger wrong, and I have to give them away this hour. So, here we are. 520-7190 is the phone number. 520-719-1490. Call now. Be caller number one and win a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson versus the Richmond Kickers this Saturday at Keno North Stadium. Gates open at 6 p.m. Start uh, game, start, game time is at 7 p.m., and uh, your tickets will be ready on uh, on Friday to come pick them up. So uh, call now. Be caller number one. Yep, we'll take the first caller at 520-719-1490. You will win those tickets. Good luck. Congratulations. And thank you for listening and enjoy the game. So let's look at some of the other things that happened in the NFL over the weekend. Uh, let's begin with last night's game. A torrential downpour at the 49ers stadium last night as Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz dueled it out in a – look, the weather was absolutely horrible. I mean, they were just – they were just really it was really that bad. Uh, and I thought scoring would be down, but both teams seemed a little bit game to move the football, uh, especially early on. But it was the 49ers who committed uh, way too many turnovers to win a football game, three turnovers in that game as uh, Garoppolo throws for 181 yards and a touchdown, but also, again, committed three turnovers in the game. And Kyle Shanahan said – after the game that uh, I guess Jimmy Garoppolo will be our team starter next week when they take on the Bears. <laughs> Shanahan said uh, when asked if he's going to stick with Garoppolo, he says, I guess so. We'll have to watch the tape and see if guys are healthy. Kyle Shanahan, one of the least personable guys with the media in I've like I've ever seen. Like he takes like he makes Bill Belichick looks like a chatty Cathy. <laughs> there are times where he's just like, yeah, I guess so. Whatever. Yeah, you saw it. Now the 49ers lose lose the game 30 to 18. They fall to 2 and 4 in the season. They're tied for last place in the NFC West. They're way behind the Cardinals and the Rams right now as those are the two teams that have obviously established their dominance in not only just the NFC West but in the entire NFC. 49ers are in danger right now. Like they're in danger of letting this season completely slip get you know slip away from them. Um the, as I mentioned earlier, their defensive secondary continues to set records as far as defensive PIs. Carson Wentz last night heaved it up eight times. Like eight times they just threw the ball deep into the air to try to get the 49ers to commit a defensive PI, and they did. Eight of them. Eight defensive PI flags. Five of them were accepted for a total of 97 yards. That is a real real problem for the 49ers moving forward because the book is out on that defense just chuck it deep they'll commit a they'll commit a penalty and here's the other problem with that officials recognize that like they notice the trend like they talk they watch the games they've played the, you know they're they're at the at the games on the fields and stuff they know which teams are committing which kind of penalties now the book is out on the 49ers they commit penalties they commit pi penalties those flags are going to start coming out and even more an even more pronounced rate. So if I'm the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy, who can't seem to put together any semblance of a game plan that works for Justin Fields, and look, and we'll talk about Justin Fields and the Bears in just a moment, but if I'm the Chicago Bears, I just say, you know, look, 
regardless of what we, you know, what happens on third down, we're going to throw the ball deep. We're, we're going to go all nines, okay, fly patterns down the, down the field. We're going to chuck it deep, and the 49ers are going to bail us out because they're doing so at a record pace. Uh, Jonathan Taylor also rushed for 107 yards at a touchdown. The the Colts improved to 3-4 and four in the season. They're two games behind the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South, and it was it was not a good look for the 49ers last night. They do not look like a good football team right now. And Kyle Shanahan's decision to uh, to to you know basically challenge that play that he did in, in the second half, uh, it was a horrible decision. It was comical on Twitter to see people saying that he should lose all 3 of his timeouts for challenging that play. I didn't have didn't have much I could say about that because they were right. Uh, it was a bad challenge, and right now Kyle Shanahan not looking like the the brilliant coach that we all kind of expected him to uh, to look like. Carolina Panthers are in big trouble. Sam Darnold's awful. Um, he got benched yesterday. The, uh, the 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 thought in Carolina now is that the owner is going to pressure the GM to make that trade for Deshaun Watson, so his value is starting to go up, much to the chagrin of the Miami Dolphins. Now the Miami Dolphins yesterday lost you know, in the last seconds of the game to the Atlanta Falcons. I thought Tua played pretty well except for that awful interception he threw in the red zone. That was the difference in the game, essentially. Um, You know, again, Tua wasn't wasn't terrible, 32 of 40, 291 yards, threw four touchdown passes, uh, two picks in that game, but the one in the red zone was just inexcusable. I mean, he he threw it into double coverage right at the goal line. Just a bad, bad decision there by Tua. Um so, you know, look, there's there's plenty of teams out there that are looking to upgrade at quarterback. Um, and, look, there are several teams that aren't one of them. The Arizona Cardinals aren't one of them, obviously, as they destroy the Texans 31-5. to The Buccaneers continue to play extremely well. Tom Brady, prob- I, I, you know, I know he's on pace to break the record for most touchdown passes in a season. How many will he get is the question. How many over 60 is he going to get? in that particular offense with Bruce Arians and that talented wide receiver group and that offense just continues clicking. They win 38-3. That game was an absolute blowout. Uh, so plenty more NFL to talk as we continue on through the week. I'll have a statistical breakdown of a lot of the teams, a lot of the teams uh, on Wednesday. As we look at that, we're going to talk with Tyler Drake, of course, on Wednesday. The Cardinals insiders, they gear up for their big game on Thursday night against the Packers. It's a big week in the NFL. And uh, we'll continue to talk some of that uh, throughout the week, as we always do, talking NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to David Jordan. David Jordan was our winner of the FC Tucson tickets. Congratulations, David. Enjoy the game, and uh, thank you for listening. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. Some college football news and notes over the weekend and what happened in the Pac-12. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Looking at the college football rankings that came out yesterday, both the AP and the coaches poll came out yesterday. The CFP poll, this will be the final week without a CFP poll. So we'll have one more week of games here this week, and then the uh, the college football playoff committee puts their poll together. That's the one that, that matters the most, obviously. 
And uh, we'll know that next week. I believe next Tuesday is when that one comes out. Um, I'll get confirmation on that. But I'm pretty sure it's next Tuesday when that puppy comes out. So be looking forward to that. AP poll doesn't look all that different. Not a whole lot of movement in the top five. Georgia continues to be the number one team. They get all of the all 63 votes in the uh, the AP, followed by Cincinnati, who struggled a little bit at Annapolis, taking on the uh, the midshipmen over the weekend, but nonetheless got the W and uh, a hard-fought win for Cincinnati. They got that clash with SMU coming up, and that's going to be a good one. SMU is really good this year, so that'll be a good matchup for them. Alabama and Oklahoma trading spots in the AP. Alabama moves back up into the three spot. Oklahoma, after struggling mightily with the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence, Kansas, a game that uh, Kansas basically said the gates are open. If you're in Lawrence and want to come watch some football, it's free entry. It's uh, come on in. Support the Kansas Jayhawks team. Uh, There's another team here locally that might want to consider doing that here pretty soon. Maybe just offering up open gates. Maybe for homecoming coming up against Cal. I don't know. We'll see. And then Ohio State rounding out the top five. Michigan sitting there unbeaten at 7-0. They're going to be taking on number 8, 7-0 Michigan State this weekend in East Lansing. I'm pretty sure that's where ESPN College Game Day is going to be. That's going to be must-see TV. That is a, that's a fun rivalry there as uh, Michigan, the, of course, the brainiac school of the state of Michigan, taking on Sparty Party, the big party school down in East Lansing. And uh, that'll be a good one. Michigan State's got uh, a, they're a real physical football team with Mel Tucker. They run the football well. Michigan under Jim Harbaugh, obviously going to be a really physical football team. That's going to be a great game. Um, Ohio State continues to just decimate teams. They are looking like that team that's going to break in the, you know, the that's going to break into the the top four at some point. Uh, I think Oklahoma will eventually stumble. As as fun as Caleb Williams is to watch, and inventive as he is, he's still a freshman. Um, teams are going to get some film on him, and they're going to figure things out. So Oregon moves up three spots into the number seven position after their win at UCLA. Iowa in the number nine spot, moving up two spots, and Ole Miss moves up two spots into the number ten spot, as we predicted this year, of course, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. So those are your AP top ten. Again, these are AP voters who can't even determine the difference between Arizona State and Arizona half the time. So we're going to patiently wait until next week's CFP committee uh, poll comes out, and we'll start running with that. Looking in the Pac-12 this weekend, I mentioned Oregon. They were number 10. Now they're number 7 in the AP. They went into the Rose Bowl, defeated the Bruins by a score of 34-31. Let me just also say this before we start talking about more games. ESPN should just go ahead and make Bill Walton like the all-time picker, like the all-time guest picker. That was entertaining as hell on Saturday morning, and I'm glad I was able to uh, uh, to get up and see that because, man, that was that was a lot of fun, watching Bill Walton there have some fun with the set and the crew. And I had a feeling that there wasn't going to be enough time, enough air time for him, and I was right. They were running up against it, and Reese Davis is like, I need your pick, I need your pick, I need your pick, I need your pick. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, Oregon's defense still looks really bad. UCLA was 5 of 7 on fourth down in that game. Five of seven converting fourth downs. That's that's absurd. <laughs> but uh, as I had uh, mentioned, as I predicted, the Oregon defense was going to give DTR enough problems that he was going to struggle. 22 of 41 for DTR, 220 yards, one touchdown, one pick, got hurt at the end of the game. It'll be interesting to see what his status is like for next week. UCLA traveling up to Salt Lake to take on Utah, who lost 
at Oregon, Oregon State over the weekend. That game went about as, according to plan, as <laughs> I, I, I can't even think of an analogy that's, that's so far off from what the, what the plan was. That game was supposed to be a slobber knocker, two teams who just line up, run the football, dominate the lines of scrimmage, and just, you know, essentially try to just strangle you and suffocate you. Oregon State, 42 points on that Utah defense. They had 22 first downs, 468 yards of total offense. They were absolutely impressive. Jonathan Smith continues to uh, to impress with the coaching there. Jim Mahalchik, who, of course, was a uh, the offensive line coach here at Arizona under Rich Rod for quite some time. Um, I've got a chance to, uh, to spend some time with Jim. Great guy, excellent coach, and that is the best offensive line in the Pac-12, period, end of story. They have the best offensive line in the Pac-12. There, there's, no, there's no debate. They just dominated Utah in that game at the line of scrimmage. And, you, look, Utah was up early. It was, what, 20, it was 24-7, right? 24-7 that game. Oregon State comes out in the third quarter. Bang, three touchdowns in the third quarter. Game's over. They were very impressive. I don't know if Cal was impressive in their 26-3 win over Colorado or if Colorado was just that bad. I didn't watch any of that game. I know that Colorado has since fired their offensive line coach, Rodriguez. Uh, he, got, he got fired yesterday. Colorado had seven first downs. They had 104 total yards of offense. 104. That's how bad their offense was. Cal's defense, who has not played up to their standards, at least up to Justin Wilcox, their head coach, up to his standards uh, uh, so far this season, they've given up a lot more yards and points than I think they've expected to. But, man, did they just absolutely suffocate the Buffaloes up in Berkeley. And that game was essentially never in question. Uh, I talked about the BYU-Washington State game. I watched – a large, large chunks of that game, very unimpressed with Jaron Hall, the way he played. Thought he played well below his ability level. Um, Max Borgie was great in that game, scoring three touchdowns, but uh, just not enough. A little bit, little bit too much, um, I don't know, freewheeling, if you will, by the Washington State team, indicative by the fact that they've lost half of their coaching staff uh, just a week ago. And then, of course, USC traveling out to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish as they continue that uh, that rivalry that's been going on for a long, long time. And although Drake London had himself one hell of a football game, 15 catches, 171 yards, continues to be the number one pass catcher in college football, and it's like it's not even close. Uh, but Notre Dame, look, I, I, I said that that they were going to that Notre Dame was going to outcoach USC. They were going to coach circles around them, and they did. And Brian Kelly. Has that team at six and one? Notre Dame was in a rebuilding mode this year, especially at the offensive line. They were trying to figure out what they were going to do at quarterback, whether they play their really talented freshman or play the transfer from Wisconsin. Jack Cohen got the play, got the start yesterday, uh, Saturday, twenty of twenty-eight hundred eighty-nine yards in that game, and Notre Dame was able to to run the football effectively against USC. And uh, look, USC's offense looked pretty good. Uh, Keaton Slovis, twenty-seven of thirty-seven, two hundred ninety-nine yards, but no touchdowns. And they struggled uh, once they got into the red zone. So we'll uh, we'll have some more information on USC because that, of course, is Arizona's next opponent as Arizona travels to Los Angeles to the Coliseum to take on the Trojans. That game is uh, set for a four o'clock kickoff. 
I believe it's going to be on on uh, ESPNU. I think that's where they're going to put it. ESPNU, so it's a little bit more difficult to find. But nonetheless, uh, right now Vegas has USC as an early three-touchdown favorite. 21-point favorite uh, is USC for the Arizona game. And, of course, we'll get some more news and notes from Jed Fish. Uh, I believe he's going to meet with the, the media today, get some updates on injuries and uh, personnel depth chart situations and things like that and uh, see where Arizona goes from here as they head off to Los Angeles to take on the Trojans in, you know, another chance to, to break the streak against a team who is really down on themselves right now, wondering what is next. A lot of those players probably wondering where they're going to transfer. They're probably fielding tons of offers from opposing coaches out there all across the country. But, you know, come play here, come play here. You don't want to play for the new, the new head coach is going to be there, whomever that may be. The the hot stove says it's going to be James Franklin, current head coach at Penn State, but we'll see. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Final segment of today's edition. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali this afternoon from 3 to 6 as they'll have uh, more news and notes probably coming from the Jed Fish press conference. It'll happen later today. Um, no, nothing uh, live on the airwaves tonight, but uh, World Series Game 1 starts at tomorrow. Spears and Ali will be preempted for the World Series games on Tuesday and Wednesday as those games start at 4 p.m. Um, also on uh, Friday. So it's a nice short week for Spears and Ali. must be nice to be preempted. Just kidding. I like being on the air. I don't like to be preempted. Now, has there been a changing of the guard? Did it happen so rapidly that we didn't even notice it coming? Is there a changing of the guard, not only in the AFC North, but in the AFC? If the NFL playoffs started tomorrow, today, whatever, okay, if they started today, the Cincinnati Bengals would be the AFC's number one seed. Number one, Cincinnati Bengals. Since 1990, Cincinnati Bengals have started five and two six times. Since 1990, 31 years, they've started five and two. That's not like, a, you know, oh my God, you know, undefeated record. Just five and two. Every other time they've started a season five and two, they've gotten a playoff berth. Now, it's an extended year this year, obviously, with the 17th game being added in. But as it started, if the playoffs started today, Cincinnati Bengals would be the number one seed in the AFC. Jamar Chase is absolutely obliterating rookie records right now. Just some of the, just some of the notes from Jamar Chase so far this year in his rookie season. He had eight catches yesterday for 201 yards, which is the most by an AFC player this year. He is the first player since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970 to have at least 50 yards receiving in each of his first seven games. First player ever since the merger. And his 754 receiving yards through seven games is by far the most ever by a rookie. He is on pace to catch 1,831 receiving yards, which would absolutely obliterate the current record of 1,400, which was set just last year by Justin Jefferson, who, consequently, was his teammate at LSU. He was the number two receiver to Jamar Chase in that LSU championship. 
Baltimore on the other side. Okay, we, we we know that we know that the Steelers they're not contenders for the you know for that title, and we're pretty sure now that the Browns are no longer contenders for that AFC North title either. Baltimore has allowed more than 500 yards of offense in two of their last three games. What 507 or whatever it was to the Baltimore or to the uh, Baltimore Colts to the Indianapolis Colts, and over 500 again yesterday the Cincinnati Bengals. Has the changing of the guard occurred so quickly that we didn't even notice it? Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and a reconstructed defense featuring players from big programs that didn't put up big numbers. It's an interesting look and a very, very good football team right now is the Cincinnati Bengals, and they are feeling themselves. And they dominated yesterday, man. That was a huge win for them. First loss ever for Lamar Jackson in the month of October. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio. We'll see you guys again tomorrow at 7 a.m. right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD for Tucson.